Hey everybody, it's Blake. And this is Drew. Welcome to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoke Controllers podcast. Everybody, welcome to episode four of the podcast, where we're going to get lost in some visual novel nonsense, and then search for my lost father through a portal I find in his shack, and then we'll wrap things up by trying to rebuild and save the world from a dark genie. With that, we will let Blake start the podcast with his game he'll be talking about today. Hey, I'll be talking about Summon Night 6, Lost Borders. Now, first and foremost... Some of you may be wondering, why are you picking up number six? I've never played the other ones. I do know that though this is the sixth installment in this series, it's only the second one that's been actually translated to English. It's just five and six thus far. I did a little bit of research before I started playing it to see, because sometimes like you can do that with like Final Fantasies and stuff like that. And I didn't know if I needed to play all the other ones before. And what research I did said that I didn't have to. And the game would basically kind of fill me in as I played it. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I didn't finish this game. Because it turns out, as I was playing it, it ends up being a visual novel. I am not a big fan of visual novels. For those who don't know what a visual novel is, it's basically minimal gameplay, maximum story which is kind of weird i wouldn't say all that much story what tends to happen in the few that we've dealt with is there'll be some dialogue and then every single character around you will take their turn reiterating everything that the other person just said they'll all take their turns and then you'll start the next paragraph and everybody does the same thing again it's super boring and you can tell that based off this i knew right away because as soon as I started playing, there's probably about 30 or 40 minutes of voiced dialogue before I even started playing the game. And so, it was voiced. So, you know, I didn't have to read everything, but still, it wasn't great dialogue. And it was just, at first it started, so much I didn't can't like about this game. As much as I didn't much care for the story about this game, I really dug the battle system. It had a fantastic auto battle system, and you had you could do like auto physical attack, auto magic, or do auto heal. And all these like auto attack is basically everyone just swinging, you know, swinging their weapons and not using any of my magic, any of your MP. The auto magic word they would use the magic spells or their special abilities to their heart's content, and then auto heal was they only used healing spells, and when there's no healing, they would automatically use their physical attacks, which was awesome. And it had a really cool, it's really simple way of grinding, which was like, you just click on a fight, and you go into it immediately. There was no running around the world map and hunting for fights. If I wanted to fight, I just switched over to the quote-unquote world map, found whatever fight I wanted to, and I could just farm it over and over and over again. I was fully healed after each battle, which was dope. Like, they did a lot of stuff right with the battle system, 
And at first, I was okay playing it. I played 15 or 20 hours. I played a good chunk. I played probably the opening hour, and I was through with it. Because, like, I was digging it. It, it got kind of anime, but then... That's super anime. Yeah, then it got super, like, convoluted. Where they're like, your main character, Raj, is basically the only human being on this planet or world called Fallujah. And my understanding is, you can think, best way to compare it to more recently, you can think of Fallujah like planet Skara from Thor Ragnarok. It had these little portals, and it would just launch trash at the planet. And Raj would just go around and exploring and picking up trash. And he had this little flying buddy. Unfortunately, I cannot remember his name. I feel really bad. Not really, because I didn't play the game, finish the game, so I don't really feel that bad. But he had a little flying buddy who was kind of cool. And then as I started playing, and I started getting more characters, it turns out these are past characters from other Summon Night games. So maybe if I, if more than just two had been translated, it had been a cooler experience. But meeting the people, they're talking about their history, their past what they're doing so they're kind of filling me in but it was kind of boring in all honesty because it was a whole lot of reading and i have nothing against reading but when i'm having to reread the same thing reworded three to ten times after the thing it, it was not a fun time for me and what i found really annoying is after i would do a voice dialogue cutscene, i'm like cool i got it the very next unvoiced that i had to read was literally the exact same conversation how many times do you, does a game need to repeat itself on its story? But as you go through the story, the game... First, I meet some casual people. And it's like, cool, hey, we're from here, we're from here. I don't know that world. But then you start talking, and then you meet two other people from one of these worlds. And they go, hey, you're our friend. And this girl is like, no, I don't know you. And you're like, what are you talking about? We saved you. And she's like, no... I saved myself out of that thing, and someone else came and saved me. And then they start, it gets real convoluted real quick. To the point, there's a whole bunch of different worlds, which I'm fine with. I can deal with other worlds, other planets. But then they start talking about, what was the word they used? Cosmic causality? <laughs> Since the first ten hours of the game. Yeah. And what happened was, these characters that I was now meeting were from the same world... This sounds like any of the bullcrap mobile games people play these days. Like if Summon Night 6 was a mobile game, and then you pull in all the characters from the whole series, and you, you know your little gotcha mechanics. That's what, it, that's what it sounds like, but they crammed it into a console game. And Well, I think it was a Vita first, and then it got transferred to a... Well, still, or maybe it was double release. It, sound, it sounds like something you can say for pretty much any any crappy little mobile game. The like, Final Fantasies have done it. The, yeah, the Wild Arms did it. Uh, what else done it? A lot. Tales done it. Like all these... Stupid mobile game where you just pull characters from all across the series. Well, I was talking about because it's different worlds. I can get behind different worlds. That's no big deal. But then they start talking about different timelines on the same world. And then you got to try to find a way to send these people back, supposedly. But then one of the big bads you fight is, like, their best friend, but he died. But because of a different timeline, instead of dying, he chose to absorb a dark power to save his life. And now you're fighting the dark-powered version, but I'm not entirely sure what's going on in the story. And I just... I played it because I liked the battle system. It was the main thing. It wasn't, it wasn't good enough to carry you through? No. I, I didn't like any of the characters from the get-go. 
I was See, like, none of them were pulling my interest. Yeah, I'm a sucker for an auto battle system. I will play an RPG with auto battles just so I can like hold my hand through the combat if I just want to. If the story is good, so I have you know we're not against auto battle systems at all. Makes it easy to play through a game and not have to stress yourself out at all. Or no, the story's not good, and the combat's only somewhat mediocre. And it's not a lot driving you to keep playing. No, it was. I got to. Apparently there are three main characters in the game, is Raj, Amu, and Ist. I got, well, I think I was like, I think I was about the 15 hour mark probably, and I was doing my first character swap from Raj to Amu, and then she was literally repeating the exact same stuff Raj was. Oh, I'm the only person on this world called Fallujah, and I like to explore trash, and she had a little flying companion too, like she was a copy of Raj. Is the same dimension? Supposedly it's on the same planet. They just both thought they were alone? Yeah. But apparently <laughs> there's... Characters. Well, there's a third person I never made it to because I just got so bored and annoyed at the game. And then, like I said, as soon as I started talking, just the different dimensions, different worlds, different timelines on the different worlds and people not knowing, and of course everyone magically not have, like, having amnesia, but then not having amnesia. And remember, it was just not a fun time. The characters, the only one that like really stood out was this, <laughs> it's always the, the cool pirate. And he was like, hey, check out my awesome belt. And you're like, what is that? It's a skull and crossbones. Raj is like, what's that represent? He's like, I'm, I'm a pirate. Do you not know what a pirate is? He's like, no, I, I'm the only person on this planet. I love making new friends. You want to be my friend? He's like, you want to be friends with a legendary pirate captain who just robbed people all day? And Raj was like, you're new to me, so sure, let's be friends. And the guy's like, okay, knuckle bump. And it was just, I don't know. Maybe, like I said, if I had played the other ones, maybe it would have been more fun seeing different characters interact, but I just, I was not having a fun time. The good news is it was Gamefly, so I didn't waste any money. I just wasted a weekend, which kind of sucks, but uh, there's not really much I want to talk about this game other than the fact that it was a visual novel. Visual novels are terrible, <laughs> and I wish more games would or more, not developers, whoever writes the summaries or reviews would clarify that it's it's a visual novel. It should, it should be in the genre. It should, it should be a genre title, and then I can just avoid having those. Because I'll play just about any JRPG that yeah. gets sent to me through Gamefly. It's gotten real common in JRPGs these days that uh, also they don't really do cutscenes so much anymore. We know it costs more money to do cutscenes, but it just sucks because every, every RPG you play now is just too little character arts standing side by side yapping at each other and that can get relatively boring relatively fast and we just i just wish there was more budget and stuff like this because it's a lot more interesting to see animated characters doing things and stuff happening because you even get some sometimes i didn't know about so much in this game where you even get like sound effects and banging and stuff like that like there's action happening but it's still just the two pieces of art just sitting there talking and yelling like oh my god what's happening and some games will do sound effects like footsteps like they're running but they're just the art's just sitting there it's lazy i feel like is the main thing or it might just all boil down to budget for these i don't know if jrpgs sell as well especially in america as they used to back in the day well, this game is actually is 100% guilty of that. Well, there was a fight scene, quote-unquote, between two of the characters, and what would happen is the screen would fade to black, and a blue slash would come across the screen, and you would hear a sword swing, and then clanging of two swords, and then the cut, and then it would, like, 
like it would pan back to the two character models just right. breathing heavy. What a crazy battle that was. Yeah, I know. You wouldn't believe how nuts that was. And then it would fade to black again, and uh, like the main character was always a blue slash, the enemy was always a red slash. Just a quick swoop across the screen, and it was just real... So boring. It annoyed me, especially because having seen what a good JRPG can do with cutscene, in-game cutscene, not even a CGI. Yeah, it's in-game graphics. It ain't got to be fancy. You ain't got to spend thousands of dollars making big CGI blockbusters. Well, the thing, one of the really annoying things about this, though, is the the developer for this game is a called Media Vision. Oh yeah, I've, I mentioned this before and earlier in one. Episode one, I think. Yeah, we'd be seeing, we'd be, we'd be hearing more from Media Vision because uh, Media Vision is actually the developer of Wild Arms across a lot of the Wild Arms series. I don't think they did all the Wild Arms games, but they did do quite a few of them, including the one I talked about first. And seeing where they started and where they end up is very, it's very sad, very uh, upsetting. Of course, you can't guarantee. Just the name of the company is one thing you can't guarantee. It's all the same crew who's worked across the years and they've got a boss too telling them the kind of stuff they got to make so could never expect a there won't ever be a new wild arms i don't imagine they put out a stupid mobile game a few months ago i feel like but yeah anything else from media vision those other games we'll probably cover on there i, I'm sure I, I there intend is. to play i actually intend to play some other of the wild arms series I would say I I don't really have much more to talk about this it was just not a good time for me okay. <laughs> is there anything you Anybody you think that would like it? I mean, think the the average anime fan could get into this. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, like I'm sure it has its good parts, and maybe the, I the voice actors were okay. When I played for the first hour, I got like the main character whose voice was a little weird, but he was okay. And then I think I met one other character, and I was over it. Uh, I, I I do think the voice acting was good for what voice acting there was. I got to a point. Which I don't normally do in video games, but it's just how I was per- perceiving this to be, is if it wasn't voiced, I was just skipping it. <laughs> I was plowing through it because a lot of times it was just repeat dialogue, yeah, or just pointless information like, "Oh man, you like cream pudding? I like cream pudding. That's crazy. We're from different worlds. We like the same." It was just weird. Did it do? Um, so you, you met more characters than me. Did it start doing the the harem BS? From animes where all the girl, there's a bunch of girl characters. They start fawning over the main character. Nah, I mean that. there was a bunch of male and female characters, but there wasn't. It wasn't. I don't think it was a harem situation. Yeah. where harem they were all falling over my junk. But no, I think I'm done talking about this game. It's actually making me upset. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm gonna. Let's say one of the check it off the list. We will talk. We talk about the GameFly games that we get and don't like or even play a bit and don't like I kind of like my post the other day about the game flag game we got and I played for 20 minutes and Blake didn't even touch it that the de blob or something like that some stupid well, retarded, retarded de, game blob 2 it was the first it was one. the first yeah, one but I was, it was just so bad it wasn't even worth we're not doing a podcast on that it's not even worth it and Summon Night was at least worth talking about a little bit he did put 15 or so hours into it and we're not going to come on this podcast and just talk about all the games we love you know just about more games we dislike than the games we actually enjoy. And I'm sure there's someone out there who could find joy in it. Like, I'm not... It's somebody's favorite game. I'm sure it's... I mean, there's always someone... Something's always someone's favorite. <laughs> That's the best thing I can think about that. It's really good probably for... I would say, like, a teenager. Maybe, like, a teenager who was already digging into anime and JRPGs and who had a lot of free time. 
because the auto battle you don't got to be good at it yeah. not really and you can train to an ungodly proportion because it did do the cool thing that like in RPGs well I got so high level that things would zero damage like, well one or just miss Flat out, it's like it had like the so bat system was might, perfect. Might be okay. I don't want to recommend it for some for somebody's first RPG. Be think it'd be okay if somebody hadn't played a JRPG before. This would be a good starter one. <laughs> no, no, because the story be too. The story would scare them. That's true. Yeah, I guess even the easier combat wouldn't draw somebody yeah, in. I don't know. It's, do you want to take your turn? <laughs> this is upsetting me. Okay, let's see. I'm going to be talking about a. A little game that I played a few weeks ago called The Little Acre. It's another point-and-click game. I know we seem to be talking about these quite a bit, but they do tend to be very short and easy, and we get wrapped up in the little stories that they tell us. Like, what was the other one we had? I already forgot. Um, oh, The Inner World. Inner so that, 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 yeah, was a, that was a much longer one, but that, that was enjoyable. This one is actually quite a bit shorter. I did get all the achievements in it, and with a TA walkthrough, of course. The game actually has an achievement for beating it in under an hour, which I think yeah. you can either pause the game or you can open the guide on the Xbox and it, it'll freeze the timer. So when I completed the game, I played for maybe an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, but due to the pausing the console or the game thought I'd played for 45 minutes. So that was kind of funny and interesting. The developer of this game is Pewter Games Studios. I want to mention when you play a bunch of games, game companies' titles come across the screen a bunch of times, especially if you play a game, one game a bunch of times, you got your hit start going through all the titles. Everybody who made this game, all the systems and all the other BS you see. But I will say that Pewter Games Studios, they had a title animation, sort of a little drawn cartoon thing that played out that eventually ended up, the end result was the title of their studio, and I thought it was really cute and funny. It's rare you see anybody put that kind of information. It's usually flashes and bangs and here's an art. I think there's two little dudes. I don't remember right now. There's two little dudes that do a whole little thing, and then they, the end result is they scuffle around, and then it's the art for the game studio. So I thought that was worth mentioning. You could probably see it on YouTube or really just play this game because it's so short. Speaking of the art, I did quite enjoy the art for this game. I don't know what to compare it to, but everything, the whole game is hand-drawn. And all, all the animations done that way. We'll post art to see what it looks like anyway. I was trying to think, because it didn't kind of look like like the Penny Arcade art? Like it was... Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know how familiar people are with Penny Arcade. I'm not even that familiar with Penny Arcade, but, but it is. Seen it, it, I've seen them. It does kind of look like a Penny Arcade art style. That's interesting. There is a lot to see in the game when you're poking around. You're mostly just walking around, poking things, picking them up, moving them talking to people. What's fun about this game is they put a lot of detail into things like stuff happening in the background, little creatures or machines or just odd little bits and bobs of stuff happening in the background. So it's fun to keep an eye out for that kind of stuff and see the kind of effort they put into building the little world that they built. The voice actors are really good. They're really fun. There's not actually that many characters in the game. There's only Four, I think, they even have voices. A fifth character is mentioned, but you don't ever see them. I don't know if they ever actually talk, but all the voice actors do great work. Uh, and the music? I don't really remember any of the music, but I always kind of felt like it kept up along with what was happening in the game. I'll find some music to post, and that maybe it'll jog some memories for me for what I was doing. The main character that you're going to be playing as is Aiden. He lives in a house with his daughter and father. He wakes up first as 
daughter's asleep across the room from him. Your first little objective is to get dressed and get out of the room without waking her up. I thought it was your little. I thought Aiden was the older brother because you're working. You're looking for your father. Isn't Aiden? Aiden's the do- the father of the little girl, Lily. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought it was weird too because Aiden don't seem that old to have a daughter. I, I thought that. it was his little sister, and you were looking for. Well, she calls him father later. Oh, that's confusing. I really yeah. thought. Unless I'm completely wrong, which is possible. I'm uh, pretty sure she calls Aiden Dad. All of well, Dad I, didn't, I haven't played it all the way through yet. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to get out of that room, which is just, it's just a puzzle of you know poking certain items in a certain order to get out of the room without waking her up you do all that and you get out Aiden goes to look for his dad who apparently is missing which is the plot of the the game and he's poking around the house you do all kinds of little poking around trying to get the clues to where your dad ended up do a lot of weird things I'm not going to go into all of it because it's the whole the poking around the exploring and the puzzle solving is the whole point if I tell you all that it spoils everything but you do end up making your way out to a shack in the backyard of the house and activating this machine that opens this portal and foop Aiden goes in there looking for his dad and I think at that point you may switch over and you start playing as the daughter like she wakes up and you end up playing as her, and you're poking around the house. Uh, she goes about this antics of uh, making her own breakfast because her dad didn't make her breakfast before he left. You do this whole little mess with her and the dog. I don't remember the dog's name. Huh. It's a funny little dog who's doing all he can to, to keep her from hurting herself because she's climbing on shelves and doing all this. It's classic cartoon stuff where she's going to fall and he like grabs her at the last minute or she's spilling something. He stops it from spilling. It's pretty funny. That it's fairly entertaining. Like a I don't see Tom and Jerry, but it's just like a little kid's cartoon. And eventually, she's doing that stuff like that, and it'll it will switch back from scene to scene. It's kind of neat. Your scenes do swap back and forth between Aiden and Lily as they're looking for each other, or he's looking for his dad at first. So he switches back to Aiden, who has appeared in this weird little I don't say rainforest, but it's just a strange little world that he appears in. And you notice right away his character art has changed. While he looked fairly normal, like a normal size proportion character on the outside, in the portal he's changed to a strange little chibi looking guy, kind of adorable. And he starts poking around that world, computers and other machines and stuff like that, trying to figure out where his dad went. He gets on a trail and starts looking for his dad. And as he moves forward, you know, from screen to screen to screen, solving puzzles, it switches back to Lily, who you know gets out of the house and starts following the clues of where her dad went. And she ends up going through the portal too. And you kind of see as the game plays out this little bit, Aiden moves a bit forward and Lily's a little bit behind him. And then somehow they cross paths. And I won't say about you find the father or not, but Aiden meets another character, a resident of the other world. I don't know what that world was called or if they even named it. The other world, a guy named Murr, which is some weird little creature dude who seems to be friendly at first, but I think he has his own ulterior motives trying to escape to do bad things in the home world of everybody else. Somehow Aiden ends up getting back out of the place and realizes that Lily's gone and he has to go back in there as she's proven like she's already on her little scene she's done moved deeper in and she's met these other creatures and stuff like that. She's making friends along the way doing all kinds of silliness and looking for her dad and or her grandfather who are now both lost to her. While this is happening, you I forget where you meet her, but you end up meeting another character, Nina, who is actually 
she's another scientist who was working with the main character's father when he had discovered the way to make the portal to the other little world. Because I, di- I think she shows up at the house looking for... I think she does show up. You meet her as Lily first, from what I remember, right? I can't. Because you, when you're like doing your outside adventures with Lily and the dog, and he runs I, think she, I think she comes riding up on a bike or something. And asking where your father is. If you've seen your dad. Yeah. So you meet her, and she... I get lost in the auto event. As short as the game is, a, a lot of little things happen back to back to back, and there's a bunch of jumping back and forth in these portals as they try to figure out what's going on and where their father is. But most of it consists of looking for the father. I think they end up breaking the portal at one point, and they, Nina has to find a way to build another get these other pieces together for some sort of crystal to build another portal to get back in and when Aiden gets back out and realizes she's gone he has to go back in again and go through a bunch of other mess and deal with Murr again and there are parts where you're trying to deal with Murr and you're swapping back and forth between the two characters trying to deal with his badness. Are you saying Murr or Merv? Murr. It's M-E-R-R. Murr. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't talk. I figure what he, I figure what he sounded he's like. He's like a little but, goblin voice or something, doesn't he? I don't remember. But, uh, he wasn't stupid or anything. He was. He just wanted to get out and do bad things. I forget how you stop him, but you do get a, find a way to lock him. Something interesting. God, it's been a couple of weeks. I still can't remember everything. You do end up stopping him and escaping back out of the thing and like locking up the portal he thinks he's gonna he's gonna get out and do some bad stuff because you see other things you find other notes and is it notes or other letters or tapes or something <laughs> about what he is planning to do and you don't want him to do that so you do what you can to stop him a lot of little things happen i was fairly impressed by the story that plays out it's funny i can't remember everything but I do remember quite enjoying the story that plays out in that short little length that game is and kind of wanting to play around in that world some more, which is not fairly common for me. I don't get too addicted to too many games that are, or I get a lot of games burn out pretty rapidly. I feel like a lot of games last too long. That's why I get caught up, as you'll see across this podcast, aside from obviously Mafia, that I get caught up in a bunch of shorter, quicker games because I can play a 30, 40, 50 hour thing and get some joy, I assume, or I could play, you know, like 10 or 15 short games and get and get a whole basket load of crazy experiences and gameplay mechanics and all that kind of fun stuff. And a lot of these do tend to be like point and click kind, or what's a, a, I don't want to call it a walking simulator, but that's kind of what they, this is. This is a walking simulator. This is just literally you point and click yeah. and but these, combine items and push items and but these solve little, puzzles, like you know two to five hour games tend to be point and click or the walking simulator such as like Gone Home and Dear Esther. Yeah, we'll probably cover a couple of those. I'm not sure. I think I prefer walking simulators sometimes because those are usually more involved. Not even the walking simulators. They're more usually more visually appealing. A lot of almost all point and click games we've played are 2D in some fashion with various art styles but you do get a lot of walking simulators with all kinds of interesting graphics and ideas and weirdness going on with them. we got quite a few of those probably coming up soon. Oh yeah, I can talk about several. We'll probably, eventually, we're probably going to touch on this game again because I actually like this game quite a bit and when Blake plays it, he'll have a fresh batch of memories. This podcast will, occasionally, we will delve back into the same game again. The difference is, we won't, like, the game we talk about where we've both already played, we probably won't ever touch those games again. 
But if a game, I play a game and Blake hasn't played it, and I talk about it, and then he comes back and plays it, obviously we will revisit that game and it might get some fresh ideas or some fresh insight. I like the fresh insight, and I like talking about games like that because I don't often remember every single thing I do. I think on average I play a lot more, not a lot, I play maybe three or four games to Blake's one, maybe, depending on the kind of games we're doing or if we're, if we're in some sort of crazy achievement streak. so But I do like playing a game and then, and then him playing it, and he'd tell me things that I don't remember or things I didn't catch. I thought he did that recently. I, had, I caught random small stuff in the background in a world. Yeah, in a world. Yeah, stuff like that. You remember if you lived in the in a world, in a world episode? Even then, that was we played that at the same time, so that's not exactly the same example. But you know, if over the next couple of weeks or months, who who cares when when Blake Blake ever plays this game, we will come back and touch on it again. Like, I feel like I maybe didn't do it uh, justice. It is. It's a fun game to watch play out more than anything. I think people will really enjoy the art. I need to look up this company. And I want to see what else they've done. I, I didn't do that kind of research for the podcast, stupidly enough. But I would be kind of interested in seeing if they've done anything before this and if they're doing anything after this. I can't imagine that this game cost all that much to make or even if it was even all that profitable on the other end. We only paid a couple of bucks for it because of its length. You know, and a, a game this short, you don't want to pay a whole lot of money for. Anything else you think of for a... For a little Laker, not re- like I said, I played it, but I, I didn't finish. He it. didn't. Yeah, you have to do the. Uh, I don't know why he didn't finish it. You have to do. I, I think you have to do the beat the game in under an hour in one sitting. Some of these speed run games like that, these stupid speed run achievements, have stuff like that. It often ask you to not ask you often often demands you to do it in one sitting. So I imagine if he had started it and got sidetracked for some reason, didn't beat it in one sitting, he'll probably have to probably just start over from the beginning and do it again. I don't, I don't remember what sidetrack. I think some. I, I played a bunch of short games in a row, and I was looking for something longer, maybe bigger, and I got pulled into something. I remember this? Maybe this? Maybe the uh, beating under an hour scared you away? No, because I because you could do you could pause and it pauses the timer. I don't think I was having a problem with that. Yeah, I don't think. Hmm. Well, are you ready to move on to our uh, the the game we've both completed this time? Our grand finale. The grand finale for this. We're going to talk about. The PlayStation 2 classic? Is it really a classic? Uh, game Dark Cloud from the developer Level 5. You might have heard of them through other things. More recently, they've been pushing Nino Kuni 2. And uh, they're about to put out the re- remaster of Nino Kuni 1. They're real big into localization. Localize. They went in Level 5. Was that Level 5 that like really fought to bring... It was like three RPGs. I had nothing to do with them. It wasn't them? Oh. Uh, it was Project Rainfall. That was Xenoblade and... Last Story okay. and uh, Pandora's Tower. They weren't involved in that at all. They Level Five is often backed by a larger company publishing their games anyway. Okay. They've always did bigger RPGs, Dark Clouds, White. Like they had, I think they had Sony's backing for White Knight and stuff like that. Similar concept of yeah. building villages and stuff. Yeah. So we're gonna go into this. I think I'll let Blake talk a minute, and I'll just kind of add in the parts that I remember because I did this. A while back, I did platinum the game. It's very platinumable. That's a mouthful, platinumable, because none of the trophies are that hard. We still say on the front end there is a glitch in this game that lets you make superpowered weapons. We've already spoke about cheating in games. We don't mind. It lets us play the game. I will say that this glitch doesn't take away so much like I, when I screwed my wild arms. If I screwed my wild arms game, this one just gets you super strong weapons. You're still insanely vulnerable in this game. There's no way to 
besides the regular game giving you HP items and defense items, your characters can still drop at the drop of a hat. I, you never feel very godly. You're just running around with the powerful weapons, usually killing most things in one or two hits, and can bosses a little quicker. So I don't think having strong weapons took away from the experience of this game. I'll give it over to Blake. He can maybe talk about the story or some of the characters. Well, real quick, I want to touch on that the glitch. Yeah. It's called the Broken Dagger Glitch. It's complicated to tell you how to do it. It's yeah. easy enough to just read on. I'll just, I'll just tell people just Google it. We ain't got to talk about yeah. it that much. I will say you gain access, because you do have to rough it for a little bit. Yeah. I You gain access to your first shop roughly, for me, was about three hours in. I... <laughs> I didn't discover the glitch until like three towns in, so that's a lucky thing Blake got that I had already been playing the game for a while, discovered the, looking for something else in the game, who knows what I was looking for, and somebody online had mentioned the glitch, so Blake knew to have this glitch right out the gates. Yeah, I didn't struggle that much at all. <laughs> so pretty much the story of this is there's this weird general, I guess, of like the Eastern Armies or something. Who's that guy? The gray-haired guy? No, no, no. The General Bro. He's got the prominent mustache. Kind of looks like oh, Nigel yeah, Thornberry. Yeah. <laughs> he does look like Nigel Thornberry. Uh. But because he has the moon people doing the dance and his little compatriot is like, oh, we will get power and we will rule the world because I guess there's a war going on that no one knows about but them because when you meet your main character, Toen... Toen, T-O-A-N, Toen. Toen? There's no voice acting. It gets hard. So it's either Tone or Toen. Is there voice acting? No. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like, it's like, this is Zelda voice acting. <laughs> I thought I remember really calling that voice yeah. acting. <laughs> he is a stereotypical silent protagonist, so. But when you meet him, you're just having some sort of, like, end-of-year festival or, like, the spring festival to one of the girls in your village knocks on your door at nighttime, like, you and your mom are having dinner. She's like, hey, Toen, come dance with me. And your mom's like, well, okay, go for it, little boy. <laughs> well, you're not a little boy. You're, like, probably, like, 15, 17. But it's just a happy-go-lucky thing going on. And then the, well, I'm just going to call him the, the Nigel Thornberry General, having successfully conducted the unsealing or reawakening ritual, which unlocks the Dark Genie, which is going to be this ultimate weapon to essentially conquer the world. But it goes a step too far? I don't remember. And while all this is going on, the Fairy King, I guess, realizes something is going terribly wrong. And he uses a power that he has called the Altamilia? Mm -hmm. It is... A-T-L-A-M-I-L-L-I-A. Altamilia? Altamilia? Mm -hmm. What he does is he essentially protected as much as he could. He, he, he was in a weakened state from years of inactivity or something, or because the genie's awakening severely weakened his power. And so he essentially captured the essence of as many people as he could. You're delving into all these dungeons with the Altamilia power that he gives you. And oh, yeah, you're, you're, like, you're talking about the, the festival, he kind of jumped ahead. On the tones at the doing the festival stuff, the, the, the I think the genie flies over and, air, and he air, wipes everything out. You think everybody's dead and gone, so it wipes out the village, but that's when the fairy king comes in and tells you he managed to save everybody. Yeah, and he say he's picking you because you're just... Really the closest person at hand, I think. I don't really think there's anything special about Toen. 
no, at all. He don't have any special abilities or anything. He's given the little, the, the ultimate. Yeah, what was called the Atla? Magic stuff. He's given that, but I literally think the Fairy King says just because you were the f- closest person at hand. I don't know if he says that or not, that'd be funny. <laughs> yeah, but once he does that, then you start on your journey, and you cover pretty. At first, it seems normal. You're doing your hometown. Then you do. What's the name of the hometown? The hometown's called No Rune. No Rune Village. No Rune Village, and then you move on to a forest kingdom or a forest village. And that's the Matataki. And then from there, we've had cave and forests. And then you move on to uh, the port city, Queens, which gives you kind of like your ocean vibe. And then from Queens, you go to Muscaraca. I think it's what it's called. Muscaraca. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. But just because I wrote it down, that's what the title screen tells you is. But the people in... I think it was a translation error because the people in the game refer to it differently. Oh, I didn't even notice that. They give it, like... They add in... Switch the list. So we're just going to call it Muska Raka, which is like your desert oasis town. And then from there, things get a little wonky. Your main objective in the Muskaraska dungeon is to acquire the moonship. And you're like, oh, that's a pretty name. Until you realize it's literally a ship that takes you to the moon. And you spend a good chunk of time on the moon <laughs> in a city called Yellow Drop. And then from Yellow Drop, we go to the end game dungeon, the end of the game, which is the Dark Heaven Castle. And we go into a specific spot in the Dark Heaven Castle, which is the Gallery of Time. And so I'm just giving you a baseline of how the story goes, because I'm going to delve into each one. I just want you to know that, like, that's the way the story kind of goes. So we're going to jump back to No Rune. You do get a pretty big roster of characters. For each area you go to, you get an additional character party member. I'm kind of got off track here. Let me get back on track. The main quest that you're having to do is you're given the quest for the Fairy King is to go unlock with the the altar stone that he gives you you're delving into the dungeons to unlock these people's essence and slowly rebuild the world and bring life back to the planet to the planet yeah just bring bring all the people back just basically bring everybody back to life and this is kind of like a cool in-game mechanic is first we should talk about the kind of game it is it is an action rpg it's, it's a lot to talk about i'm trying to get my thoughts straight it is like what well, you see action it's not hack and slash it's definitely an action it's actually it's hacking you run around hacking and slashing people yeah control what you do especially for long parts of time when you're playing his tone he's he uses swords daggers and stuff like that and as you're playing through well once you unlock a sufficient amount of the altas then it kind of introduces you to like the second main mechanic of the game which is your georamas and what georama is you have like say a, someone's house and it'll sell you so-and-so's house like Toen, Toen's house and then as you unlock more of these altars you get pieces that belong into each home shop building etc and once you get all the pieces then you can complete the house shop etc and then usually completing them you get like a cool event from the person or who owns the building and they'll give you an item or like a boosting accessory sometimes they'll give you like a what do you call them like a defense something an item that raises your defense your hp or increases your thirst gauge because this game 
does do, I guess, to increase the challenge. You have a thirst gauge that you have to bring water with you that you can buy at any shop. Or every now and again you get lucky and as you're delving through the dungeons, there's floor by floor. I think each dungeon through the whole game has like 15 floors, I think it was. I can't remember how many they have. I think it was about 15 floors. There's like 14 and then the 15th floor was the boss dungeon, the boss battle. And the cool thing about that is you can farm whatever floor essentially infinitely because they are randomly generated floors. Yeah, every time you go in. Even if you revisit a floor you've already been to. There is no re-unlocking the altars. Once you unlock the altars, you don't, you no longer have those. But you can go through and farming the chest. Because it's so random. Yeah. Weapon drops were fairly important. Because you've got to get multiple weapons. Even, even if you're using the glitch, it takes multiple weapons to try to figure out the weapon you want to get to to use. Cause throughout the rest of the game, because there are way, ways to cheat, but if using the weapon glitch, you can get everyone's ultimate weapon fairly quickly. There's a lot of time on the first town. As you're building the rest of the town, the first town back up, you do come across. You start putting all the different houses and people back together, opening shops, meeting characters. They got requests where you place their houses in certain places. Like this person's like, I want to be near water, so you put them near water, and you got this overall happiness percentage you're trying to reach. For a final reward from the whole town if you get 100%, which it's not that hard to do, everybody's... Well, in the first town, everybody's pretty clear. But mostly you're trying to get to the bottom of the dungeon. But along the way, you do put your own house back together. You get your mom in there and the, the lamp or whatever oddities she needs. And then you put a cat in there. And I feel like you eventually find this... Well, the, uh... What do you call him? We'll call him, like, the mystery character. His name's Seda. Seda, S-E-D-A. And you guys get into a little bit of a spat because he somehow knows about the Alta power that the Fairy King gave you. And he thinks you don't deserve it and that he deserves it. And you guys have like a quick a quick time event duel where you end up winning. And he's like, well, you beat me today, so here's a gift. And he tosses you a changing potion. And that's where you get the changing potion. Yeah, you take that back out of the dungeon. And it, weirdly enough, turns your little cat into a human cat girl thing yeah her name is Zhao Zhao I guess X-I-A-O same thing it's pronounced Zhao yeah. Zhao, Zhao. And she joins you as a, another character she also doesn't speak as far as I remember she squeaks because she doesn't know how to talk yeah she's a, she's a cat she doesn't even meow or anything I don't think but she joins you and she uses uh, boomerangs and she oh, where the hell did I get boomerangs it's slingshots I don't yeah. know you're drunk <laughs> I guess she uses slingshots and then she has a right before you get her there's a parts of the dungeon you can't get across and you're like what is this why can't I go this way it's like these like a pit with a pillar and the side come to find out she can conveniently because she's agile like a cat she can jump to the you switch to her in the dungeon she can jump to the pillar and jump across you're constantly having to switch to her to do different traversals we'll come across the other ones with the other characters everybody's got one except for does Tone even have one Tone, no. Well, he, he's the Ulta. He's the only one to go with the Ulta series. Oh, that's, right. that that's not really a traversal ability, though. Mm. But you get her. Disappointingly, there's no real story involved with her. She doesn't speak. The game barely acknowledges her existence whatsoever. Yeah, she, after that, you get her, and that's kind of all the story she gets, which is kind of sad. Yeah, it's real weak. There is one thing to note with her. She is... Her and one other character is tied to a, a specific trophy to get, and this is annoying but there's a 
completely random weapon drop for her as other character for her to get the bandit. Yeah, it's bandit slingshot. Bandit slingshot, and then somebody else later in the game we'll get to has the thief's ring. You want this weapon because it's one of only two weapons in the game that you get that they have the steal ability. Steal ability. And a, the trophy is simple. Steal an item from an enemy. Sounds very easy, and it it sh- it should be, except for the thing that it's entirely chance that you even get this weapon at any point in the game. You can't make the weapon. You can't upgrade to the weapon. You can't downgrade to the weapon you have to find this specific weapon in a weapon chest this actual trophy probably added about four or five hours to my overall game time believe it or not as i had to scour the internet for some trick or some way there's some way to get this faster or easier there's nothing everybody was literally like just go back to the first dungeon and grind her floors until you get lucky because the dungeons are kind of limited to how far you are in the game so if i if I play certain floors on the first dungeon, the weapon chests only drop weapons for Tone and Zhao. So you can kind of replay the first dungeon, I don't know, 5,000 times or so is what it took me to I eventually got the stupid weapon. I never even saw a Thief's Ring. So I got the Bandit Slingshot and st- stole a item and I was... It was literally one of the last trophies I got. Oh, I had to go... Last one, besides beating the game because I had to do that and then finally... Oh, you were afraid if you beat the game, you wouldn't go back. Yeah, I wouldn't go back and do it again. So that sucked for me. But on the flip side, there is balance in the universe, as me and Blake experience. Usually something, not usually, almost 100% of the time, if we're playing the same game, and something is super difficult for one of us, it's extremely easy for the other person. Mm -hmm. As you will hear right here, where Blake tells you how quickly and how many bandit slingshots he ended up with. As soon as I got Zhao... I was playing through, and I was trying to level up one of her weapons, just so I could try to get to her ultimate weapon as fast as possible, and just, because playing as Zhao is kind of, it's not god mode, but she uses long range. Yeah, long range is pivotal. And it makes the game so much easier, having long range. Enemies hit so hard in this game. Mm-hmm. But I'm running around with her, having a good old time, and literally, the second chest I open with her, which is probably... It's the floor right after you acquire as a character. I'm around that floor, and it's the second chest I open, I get a bandit slingshot. So you played, what, maybe two hours? It's Three that, at the most? Well, well, at that point, I was able to start farming, so I may have been about the four or five. Four or five more. Because she, she comes in kind of like over halfway through the first dungeon. So right away, he gets that thing, and I am debating whether or not to delete his save file. He's very furious. Why he's not around. Uh, yeah, it's pretty garbage. But uh, as I said, there is balance. So later in the game, we'll get to the town later, but later in the game, there is a, I get to catch a super fish. And I struggled a little bit to catch this fish, but didn't give me nowhere near the amount of trouble it gave Blake. It gave Blake so much trouble that he actually ended up giving up on it and just moving on to the rest of the game, keeping a save right there and then coming back later to catch this freaking fish i was laughing at him the whole time because that fish did not give me the headache that it gave him he was getting really mad at this digital fish it was bad it was just i you know toss the control in the couch and be like oh this is stupid walk around the house like i gave up i literally gave up and played the rest of the game and i beat the game i was like i'm just gonna beat this game screw it i don't care about applying them yeah. and then after i beat the game i was like you know what calm down i've taken a breath i'm gonna go try to catch this super fish and about the second or third try, I managed to catch it. Yeah. But it still took me 
those three tries plus literally 27 tries prior. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how many tries it would be, but I was never I was never terribly frustrated at the fishing. So Cause it's, it's not hard fishing. It's just there's a bit of luck involved with that too, just to get the fish to appear. But you're told we, we, with the internet what which bait to use and all that stuff. But we ain't gotta go talking on on about fishing. Back at the village, you get the cat girl. You work your way down the floors, rebuilding the town as you go, meeting everybody's request. You get down all the way to the bottom, and you'll fight your first boss, which is the divine beast. Dran. Dran. Not anything super fancy about this fight, even less so for Blake. I had to fight it kind of legitly, which is, I think, I think you knock him out of the air. He flies. You got to knock him out of the air with, with your sling Sal sling. and then run up to him with Tone and lay a little combo on him. Took me, actually, I think he actually beat me one time because he, like everything in the game, he hits like a truck. I imagine Blake hit him twice, maybe. One slingshot and one Three sword Three times slide. I had to hit him to make him fall. Then I didn't realize that, oh, you have to finish him with the sword. Uh-huh. So I had to. He got back up. I had knocked him down, and then I ran over it and chopped him. So three, three hits probably. Yeah. So you, <laughs> much easier time. You fight him, and it turns out he's actually not bad. He's just been corrupted, corrupted by the energy or whatever. The, the energy coming from the, the dark genius. He's slowly so, destroying the world. So he's he's actually a friend. He helps you. He can fly. He flies you somewhere later. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and you finish all that whole town, you make everybody happy, it's all a big... I don't think they throw you a party or anything, like they, they should throw you a party. Oh, yeah. But, you know, just like, oh, it's time for me, time for you to leave your home, and you wander off into the forest, and you end up at this second place. The Matetaka. Matetaka Village. And it's also been wiped off the map, too. I forget who you meet there. Oh, there's a talking tree. Is his name Trent? I don't know. It's usually a talking tree anywhere. Is a is a Trent of some sort. So he tells you he needs you. He's he's all weakened too. He needs your help to restore, or he needs water actually. Or is he already? He, I think he's weak, and you got to get the water from one. And there's a waterfall on one end of the village, and he's on the other end of the village. So your task, of course, is to go into the dungeon and gather the materials you gather to build the village up and you build the village across you know you start filling the place up with the village members and their houses and you run the river from the waterfall all the way around to the other side to, to restore his strength by giving him giving him water again and you meets after you talk to him you do meet your third character by a long shot my least favorite character goro this chubby little dude that uses axes he's really mean from the get-go and i think he attacks you two or three times yeah I'm not really careful. When you hear about him, his little his little story or lack thereof is that is he trying to get strong to get revenge on the, the snake thing? King Cobra or King Snake? The snake that killed. There's this big snake thing that killed his dad a long time ago. Boy, is that anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you you get the water around to Trent, and then Trent gives you this convenient snake killing sword, which I'm not sure why. I think it's really called Serpent Killer. Serpent Killer. Which I'm not entirely certain why he didn't just give that sword to Goro's dad back in the day. So you go kill that snake in a pretty anticlimactic battle. It's done in a QTE. You have those occasionally. Blake mentioned one earlier. You fought with that other, that little gray-haired dude. Seda. 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 You, you get the occasional QTE. You fought a goblin somewhere. And the snake is another one that you do when you get the sword and you go in there and QTE that snake out of out of existence. I did find out... When I did the QTE with the snake, I didn't have the serpent killer equipped. Oh, yeah, you fail, you fail. It didn't even. It plays the QTE out 
without you allowing to put in any of the inputs mm. and it's an automatic failure and it just eats you <laughs> at the end so you have you in order to beat it you have to do you have to have the super killer to even perform the qte which i thought was kind of you know kind of clever yeah at least a and little I think bit after i don't think Goro. i think Goro finally joins you after you avenge his father because you, know. you bring back like it's fang or it has something something you bring back to him he decides to join you and help you on your quest and that's pretty much the end of Goro's storyline which this game keeps as you'll see keeps repeating doing it throughout the rest of the game with the other characters his traversal ability is dumb as much as his character is there are doors that are closed and there's like a little button beside the doors and for some reason he has to hit those doors with his he uses axes and hammers he has to smash that button with his hammer. You can't just axe. walk over and stomp yeah, you on can't, it. You can't just stomp on it or nothing like that. It's, it's just it's what you got to do. You got to hammer him. I think he's the worst character. He's the hardest to play as. Yeah, he's he, the slowest. He's everything about him is bad. He had a bad attitude, I guess. It's sort of a crappy story, crappy weapons. All in all, by a long shot, my least favorite character to even deal with. I played with every single character long enough to get their ultimate weapons. So I played with them long enough to do that. Oh. Yeah, and you do need to do stuff like that because I forgot to mention that some of the we forget to mention some of the floors have what they what they call them mystical energies. <laughs> yeah, sometimes your floors have different effects. Like you'll get thirsty faster, or your weapons your weapons durability goes down quicker. I think thirst is probably the worst one. It's the most annoying, uh, yeah. but a very common one, which it, I think it's it's definitely predetermined on the floors. Though the floors the layout of the floors is randomly generated. The number of which those things yeah, water it's, it's always going to be floor. it's always that same floor like if floor 10 is thirsty then floor 10 is always going to be thirsty but uh, you do get floors where it forces a character upon you and that always was garbage and it made you play as him I, I didn't like it at all while playing as him I did figure out a cool combo his charge attack that as long as you let go of the charge attack and an enemy was about to hit you he would kind of flash white and while he's performing his spinning jump slash he was completely immune to damage. Uh, and that came in handy quite a bit when I was trying to farm his weapon or being forced to use him, especially yeah. when I would fight like bigger, faster enemies. I would just hold the button, flash, and let go. And as they were flying at me, I'd end up killing them on like the second part of the combo and being immune to damage. Yeah. But yeah, I still didn't have much fun playing because he was so slow. I just, I'm so never... Slow. Never been a big fan. He's you gotta be really close. I mean, Tone's a little sword user, but he he somehow manages to have more reach because Goro is literally smashing his basic attack and smashing his axe or his hammer down right in front of him. So you gotta be so close to hit people, and and the attack is not fast. Like he has to like he raises up and brings it back down, and enemies don't care what you're doing. They're gonna hit you in the face while you raise the hammer, don't keep hitting you in the face and knocking you down and murdering you. He has a thing that if you do hit, it takes less time for his hammer to come back. Versus if you miss and you hit straight down, it takes him longer to pull the hammer back up. So he he had way more mechanics than he should have. I, I didn't like I didn't notice either. none of that stuff. I cut off him as quick as I could. Anyway, it's kind of the same thing as the first time. The game does kind of repeat the same mechanics. You're working your way down through this dungeon this where you're going deeper and deeper into the woods, deeper and deeper into the forest and stuff like that. You're working away, it's all random and. Well, I do like the. Th it tries to spice things up a little bit by giving you a different mechanic to unlocking the doors. Let's get a key every time. I mean, it's different, yeah, but like the owl, and you had to get the three fruits, and either the fruit and other. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, sorry that each each floor of the dungeons, you gotta have a specific item to unlock the 
the stairs down to the next level. And the first dungeon was a, a crest, mm-hmm. Dran's crest, which is that it just unlocks the door. You go down. It was super simple. Uh, the forest was the only one that does it. They had three different items. There's an owl that's waiting by the door, and he randomly wants one of the three items. you got to keep just taking him items until he, he's happy. He opens the door and flies away. It's kind of stupid. You do that. You work your way all the way down that one. There's, there's more to the game, of course. There's all the different enemy types and stuff like that. We don't have time to go into all that mess, but it is sort of the same thing. You're fighting. Every dungeon has new enemies, and then some of them have reskins. You'll, you'll see something that looks different but acts exactly like something you fought before. If you're smart you're most likely just playing as Zhao as much as you can because she's at a safe distance all the time mm-hmm. she's the easiest thing to play as you get some other ranged characters but she's still probably the fastest of the ranged characters I felt com- that comes and to, comes to her weapon when it came to the the quick change in the characters I preferred her just because she was literally one slot up yeah. from Toen as opposed to using the other girl which yeah. we're about to talk about from Queens yeah we're good. but you work your way down to the bottom of this dungeon and you end up there's no real story. Is there a story behind this one? You know, no, fighting. you fight Master Utan, that Yeti. Hold up, not Yeti, but the uh, Bigfoot, yeah, gorilla thing. Is there any? Is there any story behind that one? No. He's I just think like, the first guy had Dran had a. He was the guardian of the area or something like that. Maybe this dude's another. But guardian. he's the guardian, and he just he's also corrupted. Yeah, he's just angry. I don't know if you hear about him that much beforehand. Mm-hmm. People, other town people mention Dran before you go down there. I feel like. This guy's not mentioned at all. You get, get down there and there's a giant monkey. Because, like, in the first town, you're going into Divine Beast Cave. And when you meet Dran, he is Divine Beast Dran. When you yeah. meet Master Utan, they're just like, hey, it's, it's a Sasquatch. Have fun, bro. Yeah. It made, it made more sense if the... Maybe they couldn't handle having a... In an action battle system, having a... If the snake that killed Goro's dad was actually the boss you fought at the end of that, I feel like it would have made more sense. Maybe it would have helped Goro's story. I don't know. Killing that thing before you even get Goro seemed kind of silly. I, I do think that this game is would definitely be due for a remake of some sort yeah. where they can add in some dialogue and trying to spruce it up a little bit. You beat that monkey dude, which I assume for you was still fairly easy. I don't, I don't know if I had the glitch yet. I think they do do with each boss is you do have to incorporate the character you get. Yeah. Like you can't kill Master Utan unless you. You think you have to hit him with uh, Goro? Is there anything? Because Goro doesn't really do anything special. You still have to hit him. was flying, so she had to shoot him. Does Monkey do anything? Incorporate him in any kind of way? I think he was throwing rocks or something. But I think you literally, no matter, I think with each boss, no matter what, you have to, the finishing blow has to be the character you just got, which is a little lame. But it gives you, it makes you use them, and I guess they want people to use their characters. Yeah, and beat that boss. And I'm running the story for that one. I don't really either. I just because it had a lot to do with Goro. I just didn't, didn't care for Goro. Didn't care. Didn't care whatsoever. And you move on. How do you get to the next town? Is it the port city? I'm trying to think. You just kind of you just show up. Show up like you make. Well, no, Master Utan. He's like punches a hole and he. There was a collapsed cave and he like punches the the crap out of the way and then you're allowed to take a shortcut through the cave, which okay. leads to the port city. Port city in Queens is. You guessed it, it's wiped out. There's nothing there. There's a bunch of empty open space. And you may, you find the, there's a guy in the, in the port that's alive. The only person, yeah, he, he runs the submarine shop or something. Yeah. So this is probably one of the more interesting looking dungeons. This guy gives you, I forget how you breathe underwater. Well, you don't. 
You know, like he gives you a well, what submarine, and you go down to the dungeon because you're going to the name of the dungeon is shipwreck. Yeah, it's shipwreck, but he explains that it's like an ancient queen's ship who she had demanded it be sunk out of grief, and how it sank is it sank and like I guess like the perfect position, like right offshore. But it's completely, it's got like a natural air pocket inside for how it sank, so it's completely dry inside. Mm-hmm. So what he and other merchants would do to safeguard their stuff, or any like super rare and unique textiles and stuff like that, they would store it in the shipwreck and they would let people know, you know, like, I stored it here. And you're going down there to, that's where you, that's just where you have to go. Because he tells you that, that's where anything of any value is going to be. And if you're searching for these Alta things to help unlock the world, you should check there. And they're there. Yeah. Of course they are. Yeah. Once you start rebuilding this town back together and you come across, is it Don somebody? Don, Don not Don Corneo. Uh, he's a Don for sure. Don something or other. And I think he's where the lamp comes from. Once you complete his event, once you fix his building, his limo, and all that stuff. This guy has a limo. Literally nowhere to drive it. Like, it doesn't move or anything. It's just part of his house. And this, all of a sudden, there's a limo in the game. You know, it's in cars. Like, it's been a real fantasy kind of adventure. And also, he, He's also the only car you see in the, the whole car, game. He's the think. only car you see in the whole game. But, but yet, you take a submarine down to the yeah. shipwreck. So, it's yeah, kind of weird that you wouldn't see more cars. It's, it don't make sense for you to be cars in that town. But he has... Does he have the lamp? Yeah. Well, it's like he has it... It's a part of his building his house. Yeah, you have to give it. So, completing his thing is what triggers the event where he has this lamp that he's been searching for. He rubs the lamp. No? Mm-mm. He, he's trying to get rid of the lamp because he doesn't want it. Because what it contains is obnoxious and he doesn't like it because it's so much stronger and he fears it. Oh. And so, as your reward, he gets one of his goons. He's like, hey, Bobby, come... Get this, get the lamp for our young master Tone here for helping finish our building. He's like, are you sure, boss? He's like, yes, get it. And then this whole ordeal, the dude comes and gives it, and he tosses it at you. Hmm. Like He like trips and, to- and Tone's like, oh, no, he catches it. And as he catches it, he kind of like stumbles it through his hand and rubs it. And then, then the ruby comes out. Yeah, ruby the genie. And she gets real mad at the... Because apparently she he owes her wishes and he hasn't been and she's like she like literally picks him up by his collar she's floating in the air and just picks him up and holds him to her face and she's like do you want to give me your wishes he's like I'm not your master anymore he is he is and he points to Toen because he's afraid of her and she's like really this young thing and then through his silent protagonistry he just stares at her and she infers all the information he has to give her. Yeah, he's not, she somehow gets she gets the whole plot up to that point, and I feel like she just joins you in the interest of seeing a, a, another genie. Yeah, that your goal is to fight the dark genie. She's interested in to see another genie that's as powerful, if not more powerful, than she is. And then she joins you, and that's the end of her storyline. Yeah, there is literally nothing else. There's no, there's nothing. Once again, the character you get them. And then nothing else that they might not even be in the game. Like it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why they continue to do that. But you go back into the dungeon. Of course, she uses magic rings, so she would have a. If you're lucky, she would eventually give you a bandit ring, which I never saw one. Got two of them. Like got two. Her traversal ability is one of the more unique ones, I guess. More 
tedious than anything, to be honest, because there's these closed doors, and next to it is a pillar with a crystal on it, and the crystal is in the color of one of the elements, and her weapon has to have that element on it. We gotta go to her ring, change the ring to that element, and then... I don't know if I ever managed in third person. I always switch to first person view. Yeah, I don't think you, you can't can. really do anything in first person besides look around and apparently throw her little magic energy balls at the crystal of the matching color. It opens the door. It, like I said, it's more tedious than anything because you got to constantly be changing the ring or changing the element of the ring to every single door. I think some floors have multiple. There's only one, maybe one per floor. I feel like. Well, when it comes to transversal abilities, there may be more than one per level. But if there was, you would use a different character. Like, you would use Goro and yeah. Ruby. Or sometimes you would use all of them in a single floor. And when you get all your characters, that gets a little annoying. But that doesn't happen all yeah. the time. So she's a pretty good backup, I guess, for a ranged character. She's not... She's a little slower, I feel like, than Zao. She has to, like... The way she waves, that's all... It's like pretty. a frame rate where she... She flings her hand as a po- and that takes a lot more time yeah, as takes opposed just to Zhao just pulling back a slingshot. Yeah, so she's doing a little slower than Zhao, but still definitely preferred over the up close melee characters if you're trying to stay alive. Unless you get really good at dodging and running around, I don't think there is a dodge mechanic. There's a block mechanic. There's not a dodge mechanic. So you're better. It, there's a block button. Yeah, you can block. It's useless. I feel like, but you can block. I don't even remember ever using. Them. I just remember like unlocking from a from a monster, just like hitting the unlock on button and just turning around and running away and then turning back and like getting adjusted myself. I know there's a block. I know there's not a dive. I didn't know there's a block. <laughs> yeah. So like everything else you work your way down this dungeon rebuilding the city meeting the occasional character. None of these towns ever have anybody terribly noteworthy. I mean some of them are kind of fun. Yes. Tiny little plot lines here and there that honestly aren't very memorable. How do you what's her key for floors? Anchor or something like that. It's literally uh, that that hook, the hook, the mm-hmm. the boat hook, and you just you write it down like an elevator. You write it up. So, oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because so you start at the bottom of the ship and you're working way up to the top in the, the in the the deck or not the deck but the the captain's room is where you fight the final boss. The yeah. Who's who's the boss for this one? Lasea. L e s a i a. Lasea. I feel like she had some sort of plot with the guy at the church or something not the church it's the dude who runs who runs the sub shop yeah mm-hmm. okay. he ends up being like her long lost lover from like four or five hundred years ago and he had been cursed and that's why they weren't allowed to be together and why she sank the boat and everything oh. it was actually not a half bad story but that whole story was between him and her it had nothing to do with ruby and that's why she only had, had the one nothing scene nothing to do with ruby nothing to do with tone nothing to do with anything it, there, it's nothing nothing new with the genie nothing new with the general plot of anything part of that game it was just kind of stereotypical for like port cities and islands where long lost lovers can't or not forsaken star crossed lovers can't be together and they curse this and for the most part though I, I did enjoy that story I think that was probably yeah. one of the I'm, better I'm, stories. I pieces of it you do have to use she's a she has crazy ice powers, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. You have to use Ruby to knock a shield off or something. She has a magic shield. That she's literally immune to any of the damage. Any, everything. All physical damage and all your characters are physical but Ruby. Yeah. So, well, she just knocks the barrier off of it. By then, I had the weapon thing, so it was like literally. One, I didn't know what to do. I'd run around, run around like a moron trying to figure out what to do. Eventually, you figure out throw a ruby magic ball at her, and her shield goes down and run up and hit her like once or twice with tone. They said, end of that boss fight. I will say, when it comes to Ruby, I think Ruby 
overall may actually have been more powerful than Zhao. Zhao had a higher DPS, but Ruby, when you'd hold her X, her charge, where she would make a real big energy yeah. ball, and, but it would like deplete her durability dramatically. Like one charge shot was like five durability gone, and you sometimes you couldn't risk that on durability loss. Yeah, and from there, you leave that place. I don't know if you take a boat or you just wander off and walk off to the next town, which is the one that Blake said that is named one thing, would you say? And then the... the M- Muska or Muscaraca? The, yeah, the game calls it one thing and the characters call it another. I don't know. It I don't actually had, yeah, they had different... Mistranslation or something. Yeah, sort. I don't know. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a huge thing, but it was enough to, like, be confusing. But before we move on to the, the Muscaraca, I do have two things I want to say about Queens. There is a single enemy in the Dungeon of Queens. It's... I think it's the first time I introduced to this, and it's called Auntie Midu, which is literally just a Medusa creature. But whenever like you would catch his attention and it would start attacking you, it would go. <laughs> it sounded like Boo from the Mario games. It had like a weird screeching <laughs> like noise. And I, th- I thought that was worth note. The other thing is while you're in the Georama of Queens, or just walking around investigating stuff and trying to find the items was obnoxious. The seagulls in the background sounded like a bunch of kittens meowing all at once. I don't, I don't know. It was not a fun noise to listen to at all. I don't, I don't remember that at all. I don't. I remember hearing because it's a port town. You're, you're going to hear seagulls, I guess. I don't know if that bothered me at all. It bothered me. I don't know. <laughs> but let's go ahead and jump back to Muscarask. Yeah, when you get there, it's going to be your place is actually in the desert. And surprise, surprise, this place is wiped out. There's nobody around except for one guy, I think. It's uh, him. Oh, him? Uh, your next character, Ungaga? Ungaga. You know, he has a little bit of a, little bit of a story where he's moping around because he thought he could save the village, I guess, and couldn't. Well, before we actually... There's actually a tiny place you go to that connects to Muscaraska after Queens. Is you go to a small tribe of moon people. Oh, because they're sending you to Muscaraska to get the moon ship you mentioned earlier. To get the, yeah, to get the sun. It's, cause locked, they, it's locked beneath the temple or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's the plot for that. You're, I forget, maybe, how do you get from Queens to those moon people? Um, I forget how you get from place to place in this game. You just start showing up places, because there's a world map where you just kind of click on things, but I don't know if you like, if there's storyline getting you from place well, to place. I think you're, you get, you, you're, on this one, I think you're given a ship, and you and you, you sail across, like, the bay. Okay. And but you, the moon people are, like, in a forest again. Well, the, yeah. Were they after the... No, the moon people are there because they give you, they're like, oh, you need the moonstone and the sunstone to activate the altar to unlock the moon ship. But they were, <laughs> the moon people were so lazy, or they're so laid back and don't want to do it, they gave the moonstone to the oh. sand people. I thought we might have something out of order. I wonder if Angoro's dungeon has led to the depths of the forest where you meet the moon people and they send you to get the moon tier or whatever moonstone and the sunstone. And I think, is that the moonstone at the bottom of the queen's dungeon? I think if... And then the sunstone is at the other one? Mm-mm. Because the moon people, because for eons, the sand people of Muscaraska and the moon people, the Muscaraskas have held on to the sunstone and the moon people have fallen to the moonstone. The moon people got tired of it and gave it to them. And like the village chief 
had held had one, the, had the other, and then someone else in the village held the other one, and they kind of get mad at the moon people for being lazy, and so that's how that whole deal happens. But yeah, you don't go to the moon people till after Queens. Hmm. I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Who knows? It's been a minute. I think um, even since I played it, you meet Umgaga, who doesn't join you immediately because he's too busy moping around, failing his village. And you go into the dungeon for this place. You know what this dungeon's called? The uh, Sun Temple. Sun Temple? Sun Temple? Yeah, Sun Temple. And the goal of the Sun Temple is to, while well, you're still putting back together the town and trying to get to where the, the ship is here, right? The ship's buried at the very bottom of the Sun Temple. You're trying to get down there. And uh, you do all your stuff. You're building the town, of course. This all sounds very familiar because it is. You do the same thing over and over again. Put the town back together, meet some people, talk to some people, and eventually you get to a point where you got to do Ungaga's little thing. He has a, a little plot line of this failure here. He thinks he's a failure, and then it goes to something in his past where he had failed before, or in his eyes he had failed somebody. Something with a scorpion. No, no, no. Uh, he didn't fail. He was... Was it? You get, it's called the Three Sisters House. You complete the Three Sisters House by finding all three of the sisters and giving them what they want, like the cactus, the totem pole, etc. And the storyline is the eldest sister wants Ungaga. She wants to marry, because Ungaga, before this bout of depression, was the strongest warrior in their village, and she wanted him. And he was, you know, he's like, was okay. He interested in one, of the, one of the other sisters? He was interested in her. But he, in the course before the Dark Genie evaporated the world, he was stung by a scorpion. And he was literally laying dying by the oasis in town. The eldest sister comes up. She's like, oh no, what do I do, Ungaga? He's like, I'm poisoned. She's like, wait right there, I'll go get the doctor. And he's like, I'm going to die, don't worry about it. And she runs off. And then the youngest sister of the three sisters sees him as well. She's like, oh no, Ungaga. And he, he's like, well, I got somebody a scorpion. I'm going to die. Will you hold my hand while I pass? I don't want to be alone in this moment of dying. And she's like, I'm not going to let you die. And she sucks the poison out and actually ends up, she gets severely sick in so doing, but still managed to essentially save his life a second enough the poison out that the doctor gets there in time to save him. And so he feels indebted to her and the fact that she acted on her own and she was and he was just fell in love with her from there. And the older sister didn't much care for that. And then he explains the whole story and he gets the the girl, the young sister forgives him and he's like I'm I'm not a coward anymore. I'm going to help you save the world. And yeah. so he, he was not a half bad story. Yeah, okay. And then yeah. after that, he pans all that out. He then joins you. Mm-hmm. He's actually, yeah. But and then the Sand Village actually has a lot of, like, the most story in the game besides the final dungeon. Because you speak briefly, not brief, you speak several times to the village chieftain once you build their building. And her and a bunch of, like, older villagers, like, they keep referencing your eyes. Toen's eyes, his blue eyes, like, oh, there was a great warrior who had your exact same eyes. And the chief of the village is like, I tried to to get to marry him, and he said he wouldn't have me, and ventured off north. And he apparently, like, the strongest per he was, like, slaying things in, like, single hits and being, like, the most powerful warrior. And they drop all this hint, and you're like, was that your dad? There's no other information. It was just, like, another mystery. Just Peter's out. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, which is what this game is good at. I will Starting say... Starting something and then giving up on it. There was a dope moment. And again, another a cool Ungaga moment. 
for Muscaraga is there's a prison and you complete the prison and the because the the only prisoner in jail yeah the prison it's, it's a building that you put together and he's like I think he's a because you're you're sand people is Ungagas are like the sand people and I think they're called Oasis Guardians or something like they they have a lot of water it's, it's another tribe yeah and he's calling Ungaga a coward because he's seen Ungaga being weak he's like you're just a a silly little coward, you can't do anything. My village is so much stronger than yours. And he's just getting all up in Ungaga's face. And I, la- I laughed out loud at this part. Ungaga walks up to him after the guy calls him a coward. He's like, say that to my face. He goes, you're a coward. He, he sells it to him through the uh, the prison cell wall. Ungaga says, hold on a second. Rips <laughs> the door off the hinges, throws it off to the side. And he steps into the dude's cell face to face. He's like, you want to say that again? And he says the character's name. The guy's like, you're a powerful warrior and I apologize (laughs) for what disrespect I've shown you in your village. And Umgaga's like, that's what I thought you said. (laughs) And he walks away. He doesn't bother fixing the door. (laughs) That dude is so scared of Umgaga now. He just stays in that cell with the door ripped off. (laughs) And I thought that was pretty funny. I remember part of that. I don't know if I saw it or not. You had to if you got yeah, the 100%, 100% of the 100%. 100%. So, at some point during all this is when Ungaga does join you. And as tradition goes for this game, after he joins you, I'm pretty sure everything else about him is just ended. Every plot line, everything like that is everything you heard from Blake just now. Everything, all that stuff happens and then he joins you and then poof, we're done doing story for this guy. You do take him, he's your spear user for the game and his traversal ability, we'll call him, is a little odd you come across these doorways that are just like there's like a weird smoke or shadow blocking the door you come across these weird doors where there's like a smoke or a shadow misting or smoking in these doorways and you walk up to it and it's like an evil energy evil energy which you hold down the attack button and ugaga spins his staff in like a little whirlwind and like sucks the smoke away from it it's very odd and then that's how he gets through doors those kind of doors and stuff like that you do have to use that ability to fight the boss. Well, I'll say it. Yeah, it's yeah. typical for the other other parts. You work, you get him. You work your way down. You fight the monsters. You see new creatures, same creatures, reskin creatures. Build the city back. Get your little tiny little plot lines here and there. Make everybody happy. I will say, building this town is probably the most annoying because there's these three large totem poles you have to place in the town. And each of the totem poles has three different totems on it. And then everybody's house has a freaking totem by their front door. And all those totems have to be looking at each other, matching their totems. It's not that difficult. One feet obnoxious, is it? I solved it, no problem. It wasn't that difficult. I absolutely hated it because it seemed like I was always, like I was at like 98% or 99% and I couldn't figure out who wasn't happy. I didn't like, I didn't care for it at all. Well, the easiest Um, way to go around that is when you would get everything situated and then go and talk to the person and ask them what can I do to help finish your building and if they were like hey, it's great you're fine or if they're like oh I could do oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so hard because there's quite a few people in that town yeah, this is also a little side note mentioned the fishing earlier this is you can fish in every town I think can you fish in uh, you can fish in any uh, I think you can either, either either way this is the town that has the, the fish where you get the trophy from you actually if you haven't fished at all throughout the game and you catch this fish, it'll be two trophies for the price of one, catching a really big fish, and then specifically catching that particular fish. That ugly little fish. <laughs> yeah, he's crazy looking. And that fish is weird. 
I caught it. I don't know when Blake, Blake, after he beat the game, if you catch the fish, he's like this weird magic fish. And when you have these, the weapon chests and stuff throughout the dungeons, they'll have traps on them. And if you guess the correct trap, you disarm the trap. There's like two, what, three options usually? It's poison, curse, explosion. Yeah, if you guess the correct trap, you get a pass, you get inside the chest. If you've got this fish, he just, he just starts appearing, a little bitty picture of the fish starts appearing next to the correct trap. He magically lets you see what the what what the correct trap is to the rest of the game when you have I thought that was kind of odd. It's all you also get it really late in the game, but it was kinda of funny. Kinda of neat for a game to give you a reward for actually aside because you know the original game didn't have trophies, so to give you a an in game reward for catching the dang fish is kinda of neat. Well, and useful. Well not for me. Right, well not for you Blake Blake didn't get to do it at all. So you do all that. You do you'll fight all the way down, trying to get your way down to the bottom of this dungeon and you got this boss. It's the the king's curse so he's a i don't know what his plot line was but he is i don't think he actually had one he was just like the last he was guarding the ship the door it's like the you already had the key from completing the chieftain's thing yeah they gave you the key so you had the keys so i still understand why it fought you like i got the keys right here why why do i think you fight him of course he's obviously covering that black smoky stuff he's a sarcophagus that fumes yeah. with the the black energies, and once you make the black energies go away, the sarcophagus kind of dis- falls apart, and he's just the mummy, and you have to beat the crap out of him, and then he goes back into a sarcophagus and is floating around with the black energy. Yeah. But with the superpower weapons, it was literally Ungaga, switch to Zhao, bop, 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 done. <laughs> it was very, very no bad. Time. And then with that, you end up getting the, the, moon ship. the moon ship, and you fly off into fly off to the moon where you land in a weird little moon village called Yellow Drops? Yellow Drops. Yellow Drops and you meet all these space rabbits. Because the moon is filled with bunnies. Yeah. Filled with bunnies. Sentient bunnies actually. They all talk. Yeah, they all talk. Yeah. Fairly smart. You meet your next character Osmond up here. He obviously doesn't doesn't join you right away. And he's a little more pivotal for the rest of the game than anybody else because in Yellow Drops town is the town's not really really destroyed because it's on the moon yeah so i guess the genie had no power out there but they are osmond and the moon people are aware of the dark genie and they've osmond's an engineer of some renown and has devised what we'll call a megazord (laughs) gundam (laughs) maybe i don't know it's like a mech thing he wants that he was already building to I guess, was he built specifically to fight the genie? Cause it's, it gets, I think so. And their test flight caused it to blow up. And yeah, so it, it actually wasn't... So the genie didn't tear it apart. I think it, the genie's it, on the earth. You're so on the it, blew up, it blew up and it fell, scattered its pieces throughout the dungeon. You still have to use the Alta to unlock, but yeah, that's just yeah. a glitch, I guess, or a mishap. So, so you run through that dungeon, gathering the pieces of this mech put it back together it's a it's a weird turn for nearing the end of this game not a huge fan of all this going to the moon's kind of cool yellow drops is not a great town to get around it's like a the middle of the town is the room where you build the mech and then it's a big circle and all the bridges go out to the other parts of the little houses where your shops and stuff are it's it's really it's it's way bigger than it needs to be and there's no fast way to get around the town you have to literally sprint around the town it's not very fun and this dungeon is really just a barren moon, yeah. kind of spacey looking thing. One thing we didn't talk about in the Georama, when you activate it, that essentially 
it's fast travel within the village and you can go anywhere yeah you, you hit the select button and you turn into a little cursor the cursor that places the buildings and if you hit select, you're, you're the cursor, you can zip across the village, hit select again, and poop, you just pop down to being toned again. That works literally everywhere except for yellow drops because you're building the mech inside the, the main center building. So when you're walking around the town, you can't use the geo You have to walk to, around. So I did think that was a little hurtful to take my fast travel away in the final... The final building thing. Village, the final... So, yeah, I don't remember Osman's plot thing to join you. Well, you just find him buried up to his feet. He's, like, head first in the ground. He just, he's stuck. And you unstick him, and he explains how he got stuck there. Was because the sun giant exploded because the power core they put in wasn't strong enough, and it just causes overload. And I remember this boss. I remember this boss now. This stupid. Yes. So, he, I guess he just, does he join you right away? Yes. Sort of Sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a funny little character. He's a little, uh, one of the space bunnies, and he has a helicopter backpack. Yes. Kind of like a Ratchet and Clank, maybe. <laughs> he's just yeah. flying. He doesn't walk. He flies around the little helicopter all the time, and he actually uses legit guns. I don't know if he has any flames. It's like, you know, like shooting lasers or weirdness. He uses guns, which is very strange, so he's kind of a pretty cool hey, little... they're moon guns. Moon guns. For, so he's an odd little character. His uh, traversal is the best because you don't have to do anything. It is kind of like Zal's, except it's just gaps in the thing, and you just bigger gaps, that bigger she can't gaps jump. That, that she can't jump, and you just fly over. So he has the best. It literally takes no button inputs or anything. You just fly around. I actually enjoyed running around as him because f- flying around. It, I don't think any character physically moves any faster. He just felt faster because he was flying. So I ended up running around with him a lot, and he is a ranged character on top of that. So he's easily blowing things away. Well, the other cool thing is we just talked about Zhao. If you're flying as Osmond, oh, you, you can, can fly. fly through Zhao's uh, traversal thing and not have to switch to her. Yeah. So, so he was like two. He's like, yeah, two birds, one stone. He's a good little bonus near the end. So you travel down to that dungeon, and you're just it's hopping at oh, its floor thing. Isn't its floor thing the canning? Yeah, canning. You get into a cannon and you literally shoot yourself to the next crater. Yeah, I think the dungeon called the Moon Crater or something and like that. And you're bouncing from different craters. Yeah, you get a cannon, which obviously I don't know. I don't think it would work on the moon, but you're canning yourself to different well, craters. It would because there's just light gravity on the moon. Yeah, I guess. but I think with the can video games, let's just video game video logic. Game logic. I uh, will say uh, the first thing I did enjoy being in the Moon Sea. That's what it was called. Moonsea, okay. It was my favorite dungeon music. I did enjoy the Moonsea the most for dungeon music. Should be easy though. It should be yeah, because it's a dungeon music. It'll be called Moon, Moonsea thing. You do work your way down to that one. This is I know this place weird enough, but you get to the bottom of all this, and you find an arena where people are fighting in the arena, and the reward for winning in the arena is new core you would need, right, to yeah. power power the. The Sun Giant. The Sun Giant Megazord. Megazord. <laughs> so why there's a arena here? I don't know. Why? How they conveniently have the core you need? I don't know. The boss of the place is a Minotaur. Why is it a Minotaur? I don't know. It's a very unique name though. What is it? Minotaur? Minotaur Joe. Minotaur Joe. So it just gets wacky from here I guess. I don't know. Like, none of this is... He was probably my least favorite boss fight because he was just annoying. Yeah. He's weirdly... You don't really need Osman to kill him. He's sorta. Not really, he's just a Minotaur. Well, you have to shoot those barrels that he's he, drinking he, out he, of. Any character can do that. 
Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I don't, I don't remember even using Osmond in the fight. Might have used Zao because it's a little faster. So that part's kind of dumb. But you, you do win, of course, because you have to win the boss fight and other story and stuff plays out and you get the core back and you activate the mech and now it's finally time to... And now that we finished with Minotaur Joe, you get the core and then Osman tells all of his assistant engineers who are piloting the legs and the arms and the chest, he gives towing control of the head, it's time to take the Sun Giant and go back to Earth and see what you can do with the Dark Genie. Yeah, and that just leads to a, I think, was that a QTE? Cutscenes and a QTE with the it giant was, fighting. Think, you go, you literally get on there and you challenge. That's the coolest part of the whole game with that like, cutscene yeah. was. I think it's it was kinda, a cutscene. cool. And you end up fighting the Dark Genie with the mech. I don't remember what happens. Did he just blow the mech up again? No, he battles you for a minute, but what happens is Osmond is like, we have to activate our ultimate ability, and it's one of those things that charge. He like holds his hands out, and you charge, you're absorbing literally the solar energy, and you're going to blast this massive Iron Man chest beam at the thing. And I think you... Do we want to spoil this? Because oh, uh, they don't kill the genie or anything right there. Because the, end, the end's different. Oh no! Because well, spoiler alert: if you don't want to know the ending to this game, go ahead and stop right here and go play the game. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. I gotta get to where I start our podcast with spoiler warnings because I've spoiled a couple of games already. Nobody seems to be getting too terribly mad at me, but I don't know. We want to we want to talk about games. We talk about them. You got to spoil them, especially for a game from. PS2. Yeah. I mean, if, if this has been in your ballpark, you should have played it by now, especially considering that it, it has trophy support on the PS3 and 4, or just 4? It's 4. It's to 4. So you got, you've had plenty of time to play it multiple times. But what happens is you're successful with your charge blast, and you hit what you think is the genie, and you kill it. it it's been that giant purple thing who's giggling and laughing and eating like crazy, and then you kill him, and everyone's celebrating, going, woo, yeah! And then uh, good old General Nigel Thornberry, who has the entire game been held in either the Dark Genie's hand or set on his shoulder. When you kill the Dark Genie, Nigel Thornberry's eyes start glowing red, and he he's like, you thought you killed me? And he holds his hand out, and it's just a mouse. He had infected a mouse with his dark energy as a patsy, so that he could roam around and do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And then, as him, they're like, oh no, we're in a severely weakened state, we used our big attack, what we thought was a genie, and he literally just charges up a huge ball and blasts you with it and blows up the sun giant in like one hit, which is kind of sad after all the work we put yeah. into it. Most of the pieces. And do you remember who, or what, so comes to your rescue? Duran, Duran, the little flying guy, yeah. catches you, and flies you over to the uh, Dark Heaven Castle. Which is finally the final dungeon of the game. I don't remember it too well. Well, this is a huge story dump. The entire last dungeon is a massive story dump. Yeah, because you're building, you're not building a town, you're not building the castle, you're not really building anything. You're putting together these uh, paintings. Memories. Memories, memories. Paintings of memories. And when you complete the painting, you get some plot line from, from way back in the past and to kind of. This is where the, the meat of the story comes in. I don't remember it because I was kind of sort of... I'm going to do my best to not spoil that for yeah. people. I was so tired of the game. I feel like at this point, I was so annoyed by the, the lack of story otherwise. It just seemed like they could have found another way to... Sprinkle this stuff Sprinkle in. the story throughout instead of just dumping it all. Because it literally... It shoehorns it in at the very... It does kind of just 
throw it all in your face right at the end when all this stuff was should have been a lot of explaining reasons behind what has been happening and everything else and I don't and it's all bigger than what even your characters were doing it, it turns out like, all your characters are pointless I think yeah they're, really. they're just a bunch of nobodies that don't mean anything they just happen to fight good I guess they just happen to be the right people at the right time they yeah it's kind of lame and you fight I'm not gonna do that story I don't want to yeah, we'll skip over that little let, let that little last bit. Not, well, one, I don't remember it all. And two, I remember a lot of it, but I don't want to spoil that. Okay, so then you wrap all that stuff up. You end up fighting a with a three tiered final boss. Well, before you do that, I had one thing I want to say. On average, I think every dungeon is between I think they're between fifteen and eighteen floors, which seems kind of a lot, but you plow through some of those pretty quickly. The final dungeon, the Gallery of Time, inside. Dark Heaven Castle is, I think it was like 25, 26. It was literally double the amount. It drags. I remember it dragging. It doubled the amount. Hard. And the really annoying thing is like the last, because you, you play through the whole thing, you get all the story you can get. You literally get all the story. And then the next six floors, so you're 20, 420, and then 21 through 26, you have to play Zhao, Goro, oh, yeah. Ruby, Ungaga, and Osmond all entirely by themselves. And then you play through one more thing with Toen by himself, and then you fight the final boss. It was just seemed really pointless to throw all that in there. Uh, it was just showing you all the... It's just... What do you call it? Uh, the last hurrah, maybe? Maybe for each character. Each character gets their final little floor to play as, the last little time you're going to really play as them. Yeah. Be wrapping up at that point. The last boss doesn't require all the characters in the last tier to fight. It requires arranged and arranged and basically Zhao and Toen. <laughs> the whole game, I just use Zhao and Toen. Yeah, so you wrap that up. You fight the three bosses and then get your little. It's RP, you know, the video game RPGs. You get a little happy and then you save everybody. You save everything and all that fun stuff. Yeah. You add anything? If you want to add anything to that, I want to kind of clarify. We've talked this game down a lot. It is a fun game. It really is. Yeah, I just end up being a little let down by the constant dropping of characters. Like it, it's not. I think it's very common in RPG that you get a cast of characters as wild as this one seems to be, and the story just continually just drops them like they're nothing. Like which it does for every single character. You get one bit and then drop them. One bit and you drop them. And I just they could have spent more time on that. It would have made things more interesting instead of. And then I don't know. I will say, because I was able to use the Broken Dagger glitch from the get-go, my entire game was I beat it in under 30 hours. I got it right here, wrote down at 28 hours and 21 minutes. That's pretty good. And, but that, I mean, that's the game. I don't know how much I actually played when it came to trying to do that stupid fish thing after I beat the game. <laughs> yeah, I imagine mine would average around there too, except you would add the four or five. five hours I spent looking for the stupid ring or... I do oh because I'm talking I said earlier that I think this game would be due for like a remake or some sort of effort to give it some story to like maybe make this stuff a little better a little more cohesive yeah but everything that I know because there there is a sequel I don't think it's related that no but everyone that we anytime you read about them everyone says that all my issues that I have for Dark Cloud 1 are rectified and Dark Cloud 2 is a much better game. Yeah. 
So I haven't, I haven't really played that game in a long, long time, so I can't speak I do, for it yet. I, I want to. Yeah. So I, I'm hope I haven't played it, so I'm hoping that any of my uh, discrepancies towards this game are resolved in the sequel. Yeah. Even though, it, even though it's a vastly, if you look at Dark Cloud one and two side by side, they are fairly different looking to begin with, and I think the, some of the other mechanics and stuff like that are changed. Because Dark Cloud was an early PS two game, and Dark Cloud two came out like near that a couple of years later. Yeah. Um. Do you have anything else to add to this? Mm, not really. I feel like maybe maybe by the end and throughout, I did end disappointed with my overall experience. I think that had a lot to do with nostalgia, though, too, because we yeah, played this I, when we were much younger and I thought did, it was I did really go in, awesome. I did go in with a lot of nostalgia. With a lot of high hopes. And I came out on the other end a little bored, yeah. to be honest. I will say, I'm trying to think of like some any like, cool enemies that may have stood out. No. Some, I mean, it's standard stuff. But one of the cooler ones was, I think there was a... Uh, a moon beetle while you're in the moon sea it's this giant white beetle that would squeal at you and then it show its wings would open up and it would fire a giant ninja cannon ball, ninja balls yeah. at you yeah I remember that do you have anything else you want to add to this I don't think so you're done I think I am done okay the last thing I'm going to do and I'm gonna, I guess I'll try to make it quick because we are running a little long is I want to promote a band again I am going to do unlike last time I did a, a band that ain't, ain't no longer around can't get sued from them. I'm going to promote a band that's from, from around here. We're in the Nashville, kind of Chattanooga area. Members of this band come from both Chattanooga and Nashville. I actually reached out to the main guy uh, and asked for permission to promote. So two for two for not getting sued so far. This band is called Emerge. That's E-M-E-R-G-E. You can find them on Spotify right now. They're a little easier to find now than when, than when they are when I first heard of them for some reason i found them me and my girlfriend went to see otherwise another band and emerge was supporting that night and they were arguably the best band playing that night they were much louder and much heavier than the other bands that were playing otherwise was fun mind you but i think emerge was the surprise of the night and it was pretty neat and that night i met the singer and lead songwriter jared he was really nice and just a fun guy to talk to so that was interesting and then i had was it a few months it was a while later maybe longer than that they ended up i had been following the band already anyway they opened for 10 years yeah i think it was was 10 10 years years, so that was pretty cool to see them play again and by then they were a little bigger not really big they were playing new music new songs because uh uh they had two albums the first one, Jared doesn't sing on. I don't know who sang on that one, but the new album they had, the one they were pushing now, the one that's out now, is Jared singing and playing guitar. And apparently, I learned this while looking into him, his, his brother Jeff actually plays drums for them. Oh, didn't, didn't know that. And they got another guy, Cody Green, that also plays guitar. I'm not sure which of them is rhythm or lead, to be honest. And I also couldn't find a bassist. I don't know. I'm sure they had a bassist in the studio, probably. But their new album that they're pushing now they got music videos and stuff and everything for it the new album is a new horizon it's a pretty dope rock album and there's a lot of good stuff on there what i love about this band what i found out more recently is they have a a pretty good seven dust influence in their music and you'll hear it right away in the song that i'm going to play in the end here not only that when they opened for 
10 years, they did a Seven Dust cover, which I've been to a lot of concerts, and I've never seen anybody, any other band, give Seven Dust some love like that. People are always doing, like, Nirvana covers and all that bull crap. Or Alice in Chains. All, all the other bull crap. So it was really cool to see a band actually get out there and show love for another band like that, because Seven Dust it themselves isn't, isn't really giving enough love. Uh, what else? I think they're touring a lot right now, but they do have two things coming up the rest of this year. One's pretty close. I hope to have this podcast out in time for people to maybe, they want to go to it. They're doing an a event called From the Inside on July 18th at this place called The Open Chord in Knoxville. An event, from what little I can gather, is it's in memory of Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. And it, there's a few other names on the list too I, I won't spoil it for anybody but you can look up yourselves i assume everybody's gonna be playing lincoln park covers and that would be kind of cool to see and then all the way out in september 28th they're going to be opening for scott stamp in this place called the ranch concert hall and saloon down in fort myers in florida is that the dude from creed i think so <laughs> i think it's scott stapp step what i say stamp stamp I think it's Scott. St- if, it, if it's the same, it's, st- it's Stamp. It's two P's. Stamp, it's stamp. Yeah, same dude. So. Stamp. So I got confused. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so that's Creed. pretty cool. It's kind of his. I guess he's doing music by himself now, so they get to do cool stuff like that. I'm sure they'll be touring some more. They've been doing a lot of. You've missed it, of course. They did a album release thing in Chattanooga and stuff like that. They've been doing a lot of stuff locally. If you happen to uh, see them out live, running about, you know, support them, buy something. Definitely buy the album. Say hi to the guys. Jared's uh, super nice. He's yeah, really Jared's nice. a super nice guy. He's been nice to us through all the times we've met him. If you do that, you know, shake his hand, give Garrett a nice little hug, pull him real close, and just whisper in his ear that the guys from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels controllers, controllers <laughs> that we sent you to his show. He'd, he'd appreciate that. I guess with that, I don't think I had anything else, blah, 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 concerts. I'm going to play. I had a hard time picking a song, to be honest. I know that sounds like a a cliche thing to say i listened to the album a bunch of times i want to play something from a new horizon i had a hard time picking because i i like all the songs and it's, it sounds corny to say when you're promoting a band but it's actually true i did struggle a bit to pick one i'm gonna play coward at the end of this i think it's a pretty good representation of what this band does i hope everybody enjoys it please look the band up follow them support them they're great guys making some great music this day and age there's not a lot of I would say it was funny, at least I'm glad that they're a good band, because when you meet somebody and they're cool, and they're fun, and they're nice, and you want to promote them, and it'd be awkward if they sucked. You're like, God, these guys are terrible, but you know, I like them, I want to push their stuff a little bit, but it's, we're lucky that these guys are nice, and then their music's actually really dope, so I hope y'all enjoy the song, I'm going to play at the end of this, and with that, I think we're going to wrap up right here. I want to wish everyone a uh, good day and good evening. All right. This is Coward by Emerge from their album, A New Horizon. Ah!